Yesterday, um, being a rainy day, I was able to, to sit and... Oh, I better turn that on and then it'll click. I was able to sit and watch the Avengers movies. This new projector is great, but I'm going to work out how to not get that grainy look in my pictures one day. I was, I was able to sit for the whole day and, and watch two Avengers movies. And um, it was research, sermon research. <laughs> but the bit that I, I want to focus in on tonight, it was the first Avengers movie. And can you pick that out? This is the part where at the, towards the end of the first movie... Um, there's a, a portal from, from the other realm, is, is what they call it, um, and, and there's aliens basically invading Earth. Now, why would you live in New York? No, no one survives living in New York when there's an alien invasion. But basically, the aliens were invading New York, invading the world. They're, they were going to wipe out humanity. And... And um, it, it took uh, Iron Man to step in and save the day by sending the nuclear warhead up in through the porthole and, um, and, and to save the day. Humanity was, was basically doomed. Humanity was doomed if somebody didn't step in and save the day. And that's where Iron Man comes in. The bit that I want to that I want to really point out is, is the fact that there would have been destruction and death everywhere if, if no one stepped in. No one was going to survive this alien invasion. And it's very similar to what we see in chapter 3 of, of Romans tonight, is that humanity was doomed in this alien invasion, but in chapter 3 we see that humanity is doomed because of their standpoint with God. Paul speaks about these people that are, that are um, described as worthless, as people that don't do good. They're, they're bitter, they curse, they shed blood, their throats are open graves, they're deceitful, they know no peace, they're restless. They're doomed. And if you think of an open grave, you think of, of a, a hole in the ground. Cemeteries are, are pretty scary places. And you wouldn't want to fall into a, a hole in the ground, especially in a cemetery. If you think of someone who sheds blood, they're not a nice person. I, I like keeping my blood on the inside of my skin. If you think of someone who's deceitful, they don't tell you the truth. If you think of someone who curses a lot or even showers curses upon you, they're not nice people. If you think of someone who is bitter, they're not someone you want to hang around with. And Paul's describing these people as, as worthless, as there's nothing good about them, nothing at all. They are a doomed people. And he says that, that there's nothing good about them right at the beginning. None is righteous. Now, to be righteous means that you're, you're good by God's standards. 
To be righteous is to be, to be in a right standing with God. And Paul's describing that none of these people that he, that he lays out are righteous. None of these people are in a good standing with God. They're in fact in a hopeless position. They don't match up to God's position for righteousness or God's standards for righteousness. They don't even come anywhere near um, these values at all. They're doomed. Just like humanity towards the end of the Avengers movie. And before we start saying, oh, those, those bad people, look at them. They're terrible. They're doomed. Let's not forget that Paul says right at the beginning, no one and none. So that means that no one is righteous before God. No one includes us. Paul is saying here that that even being a Jew, God's chosen people, isn't, isn't a way to escape God's righteous judgment. That even being um, one of his people isn't, isn't a way to, to match up to God's righteousness. And that, that no one and none includes us, as I said. In 1997, some of you wouldn't remember this, and some of you will, but some of you won't have even been born. There was a, a bombing in, in um, Oklahoma, in the United States. Timothy McVeigh was the, was the guy responsible for this bombing. And at the, at the trial, at his trial, there was one of his friends, one of his old army friends that testified for him. And he said something that was very telling about our human nature. According to the New York Times, the friend said, I've known Tim for quite a while, and if you don't consider the the bombing in Oklahoma, then Tim is a good person. Now, most of us have a, a similar sort of outlook on ourselves, don't we? We consider, when we consider standing before God and, and His judgment, we kind of think, oh, I'm not a bad person. I've done more good to outweigh my bad. And likely we haven't been found guilty of murder or stealing a car or bombing a federal building or anything like that, but we, can kind of downplay our sins, downplay uh, or, or even upplay our own standing in God's eyes. We think if this particular sin's not taken into account or consideration, then I'm, I'm not a bad person. In fact, I'm a pretty good person. But when we look at the Ten Commandments and and we're brutally honest with ourselves, most of us wouldn't match up to five out of ten. Most of us wouldn't get to three out of ten. I'm lucky to get to one out of ten. If we're really brutally honest about 
our standing with the Ten Commandments. That's, that's God's standard for righteousness. If we're brutally honest about it, none of us come close to even keeping one out of ten. And even if we think we've outwardly obeyed these Ten Commandments or done pretty well with, with three out of ten or something like that, then Jesus' words in Matthew 5 um, kind, of, kind of tell us that, that we haven't done very well at all. He says in Matthew 5:21, "You have heard it said that to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, "You fool," will be liable to the hell of fire." So even if we think we've done pretty well outwardly, if we've done pretty well obeying these commandments, even our thoughts can get us into trouble. Even our thoughts cause us to miss out on God's mark of righteousness. Even something as simple as seeing someone else's nice possessions and and thinking, oh yeah, that'd be nice, coveting that. Even something as simple as not telling the entire truth in order to, to get out of trouble or to avoid getting into trouble can cause us to miss God's mark of righteousness. But Paul goes even further than that and, and says that even if we were able to t- keep the Ten Commandments as a whole, even if that was possible, we would still know about sin. And so that, that therefore, would, would separate us from God, that would continue to separate us from God. Have a look at verse 20 of our passage tonight. It says, For by the works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. As no human being can, ju- can be justified by God, by, by their works of the law. So if we were able to, to keep these Ten Commandments, we still wouldn't be able to meet up to God's mark of righteousness. Can you see that we're kind of in a, a doomed state as well? We're doomed to not only keep repeating the same sins that we can sometimes repeat, but even our knowledge of sin pulls us away from God. Even our knowledge of sin causes us to miss out on God's mark of righteousness. It makes us unrighteous. Going back to the Avengers, you might remember in the first Avengers movie, this is Loki on the left and the Black Widow on the right. Yep, that's right. In the, in the, the movie, um, the Black Widow is approaching Loki. He's locked in the, the glass cage and, um, and she's basically approaching him and 
and the whole time she's playing him but he thinks she he's playing her and and it's totally confusing but it all comes out in the end and um and she is is she basically um is trying to bargain to release hawkeye one of the other characters from the clutches of loki and and she she wants to to also get her ledger cleared she says She's willing to do anything to, to have her ledger wiped clean. Now, a ledger is, is something like a, it's a business term. It's somewhere where a, a business owner would keep their, their debts that are owed to them. Um, so the, the different people owe them money or, or goods. And so she was wanting their, her debts wiped out. Loki basically says to her that it's impossible, and he says it with a lot more emotion than I do, it's impossible for her ledger to be wiped clean because it's so far in the red, so far in the red that it was impossible to be wiped clean. And there's nothing that she can do about it. And we find ourselves in a similar sort of predicament. There's nothing we can do to to meet up to God's righteousness, for one. There's nothing we can do to get our ledger wiped clean. There's nothing we can do because we're so far in the red with God, there's nothing we can do to work our way back into God's standard of righteousness. And even Paul says that he had the similar sort of sort of struggle with with his um, his walk with God. I want you to keep your thumb in chapter three there, but let's just flick over to a couple of pages over to chapter seven. And verse fourteen, um, verses fourteen to twenty-five is the the best tongue twister in the Bible. I'm not going to read the whole whole bit because I'll get totally um, muddled up and, and lose my place. But from verse 21, I want to read. He talks about the, the law of, of wanting to do good and yet evil being right there with him. Verse 21, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul is saying that, that he's got the same sort of struggle between Desiring to do good, to meet up to God's righteousness, and yet evil being right there with him. Even when he desires to do the good that God desires of him, that he knows God desires of him, he's unable to reach it. He's unable to attain that level of righteousness that God requires. And he's crying out crying out with a lot of emotion and passion. And he, he says, who will save me from this body that is doomed? 
What does he say next in verse 25? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Even though Paul is doomed and he knows that he is doomed, he gives thanks to God for the grace that is shown in Jesus Christ. Deliverance from this doomed and hopeless situation. Deliverance that that he could never get himself. Let's go back to chapter 3. I want you to look at the verse verse 11. It says, No one understands, no one seeks for God. I've taken you to a place where, where we're doomed, where we're all doomed, where none of us seek God. None of us hit the mark for God's righteousness. None of us can do anything about it. So what happens? What's, what's the answer to this problem? It's the second half of verse 11 flipped around on its head. God seeks us. While none of us were seeking God, God seeks us. God enters our world and, and into our time frame and into our, our human um, capacity. And he, he seeks us. He comes and lives with us and dwells with us in the form of Jesus. And this is the kind of deliverance that Paul is speaking about when he says that he can be thankful to God for the deliverance that comes in Jesus Christ. When we recognise our our need for a saviour, when we recognise our need for deliverance and saving, it's then we can be aware of God's grace towards us. It's then we can be aware of the, the magnitude, the enormousness if that's a word, the hugeness of this grace towards us. But this, this deliverance isn't just a once-off event. It isn't flick a switch and we're delivered straight up. It's something that, that needs to happen more than just once. It needs to happen on a continual daily basis. A young family was driving through the English countryside on a winter's morning and um, the father was driving and he, he spotted this, this field and it had snow, a, a covering of snow across the field and it just looked perfect. There was not a blemish on this field and so he pulled over to the side of the road and, and jumped out, ran out into the field over the fence and, and started to run around in, in huge circles, in steps as wide as he could go. He then came over to the side of the road and he, uh, side of the car, and he, he said to his kids, okay, it's your turn. 
I want you to get out and, and follow in my footsteps. The youngest one tried first and, and failed miserably, even fell over in the snow. And then the, the oldest one got out and, and got a little bit closer but still couldn't reach the father's footsteps. Still couldn't, couldn't get the distance, reach the distance between the footprints. And it wasn't until the father stood with one of the children on his feet, with their feet on the top of his feet, and held their hands and was able to step and follow those footsteps that those kids were able to reach the gaps in between the footprints. And in, in the exact same way, in our doomed and powerless and hopeless state, we can't stride as wide as we can, as we could. We can't stride as wide as, as God desires of us. We don't hit the target in any way. And it's not that at every point we're as bad as we could be. It's that at no point we're as good as God requires unless we lean on him for his help. Folks, this is the message of Jesus' death and resurrection, that you can be saved from impending doom, that you can be saved from this hopeless and helpless state, and that you can be brought up to that level of righteousness. You can be saved by Jesus' death and resurrection. But not only that, but you can rely on God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit, to, to help us daily for the power to, to reach God's level of righteousness, to live a holy life, to be a child of God. This is the message of grace that God offering himself while we were doomed, while we were helpless, while we didn't deserve it, God offering himself not only to save you but to help you live a holy and righteous life, to save us from being doomed. If any of you tonight are struggling with with sin in your life or or you haven't made that decision to to be saved from this impending doom then I'd love to talk with you afterwards pray with you pastor Duncan pastor Greg would would love to do the same Jesus Christ has has given of himself in order to save us from this impending doom Let's pray. Father God, thank you for for this recognition of, of knowing who we are in you and the, the, where you've brought us from as well. You've brought us from a state of, of being doomed, of being hopeless and helpless, of being unrighteous, and you've taken us through your grace and through faith 
you've taken us to a position of children of God and, and a position of grace, a position of righteousness. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for your grace towards us and, and for the recognition or the remembrance of, of our doomed and helpless estate without your help. Lord, thank you again for your, your grace that is so vividly displayed in Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection. Lord, I pray that we would help, we would, we would be daily dependent on you for that, that very deliverance that comes through Jesus Christ. Thank you again, Lord. Amen. Thanks, Jake. How cool is that? That we're we're doomed. Well, that's not cool. We're doomed, but Jesus Christ offers to to save us, uh, to be our saving grace. Um, now um, we're going to sing our final song, uh, which acknowledges and praises God for um, one of my favorite uh, characteristics of God: His sovereignty. Um,